Hey everybody, today Rotto continues to rank his board game collection. All of this stuff back here. Uh, sit back and get comfortable because using the power of the wonderful website pubmeeple.com, there's a link for it down in the show notes, I am going to be spending a little bit of time comparing game A to game B. How does Meadow compare to San Shushi? What about Free Radicals versus Revive? Well, if you hang around long enough, folks, you will find out. Out because the Pub Meeple ranking engine, let me go on ahead and bring it up on screen, lets you rank all kinds of things. Beverages, comics, people, places, toys, you TV shows, you name it. But today we are ranking board games and we're actually continuing. This is my second episode. If you missed the first episode, you can hit that eye in the top right corner of the screen because you won't want to miss the first 2% that I did. Uh, there's a link for it down in the show notes as well, along with a link to this wonderful, wonderful website. But I don't need to click any of these because I am just going to load up and see, yep, when last we left our heroes, it was um, the 1st, the 3rd of January and of my 417 items, I had made it through 2% of the roughly 2,000 ranks I have to do. So we're going to continue today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And right, and this is right where it left off. I actually could not make a decision at the end of the last one. I'm like, ah, that one is too hard. I'm calling an audible and quitting. And I was hoping it would have gotten randomized and I'd have a different, but nope. We're going, folks. How do I rank Grand Carnival versus my farm shop? Oh, um, dual layer tile laying versus Machi Koro Killer. Honestly, I still think my farm shop is the best Machi Koro spin-off game, better than any of the other ones. Do not be fooled by the really cute, colorful artwork. If you play with all the modules turned on, it is crunchy. I'm going to go my farm shop. Okay, uh, Steffenfeld's Trajan. Oh, versus Vasco da Gama from What's Your Game? Interesting, interesting. Um... So Trajan brought back the Moncala, popularized the Moncala. The Moncala is with us now. And, you know, maybe Steffenfeld's heaviest, crunchiest game ever, arguably. Vasco da Gama, one of the most brilliant worker placement mechanisms I have ever seen. Took Kalis, which I hated, improved upon it tenfold um, with this idea of when you send your workers out, you assign a 1 to 20 ranking on them. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Those are both fantastic. That's a good um, showdown. Folks, let me know down in the comments what you think. If you think I'm calling it wrong, I want to hear about it. Anytime you would disagree, let me know in the comments. Uh, let me know what I wasn't thinking of. But for today, I'm still a failed man through and through, um, so I'm going to go Trajan. Okay. Dice Realms versus Tuan Tinsuyu, the wonderful... A customizable dice game that captures the uh, folk, the the flavor of Dominion, but with dice instead of cards, and has an amazing co-op mode versus solo mode, uh, solo co-op mode versus, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest 
T-series game that ever came out. Better than uh, Teotihuacan and um, uh, Takenu and all. Um, right. You know what, though? I think I'm going to go with Tawantin Suyu. Uh, Dice Realms is great, especially when you play co-op. But I'm going to rank it down a little bit because it's, it's best with co-op, but my wife... I, I take my wife's opinions into account with this as well. And for her, the co-op was a little too harsh. A little too... in your, The game was a bit too... Fr uh, what do you call it? Um, punishing. So I'm going to go with Tawantin Suyu, the Inca Empire. Okay. Then we've got Legends of Andor and Villages of Valeria. Uh, fantasy double hitter. All right. It's probably going to be... Uh, Andor, uh, one of my one of the few roll to resolve board games that I find roll to resolve acceptable. Normally, it's one of my least favorite mechanisms, but it works in Andor, or it works well enough, and the and the gameplay is so good. Villages of Valeria. Oh, see, this is tough. It's been a long time since I played the older Valerias, and I and it's easy to mix up villages and guilds of Valeria, right? There, I mean, that was like the second and the third one. I think, if I recall correctly, Villages of Valeria was the one that was basically, you know, they came around and said, look, we're trying to capture all the gameplay of uh, Lords of Waterdeep, but it was just a deck of cards and that's it. And I always thought that was incredibly impressive. And, you know, it worked really well. And, you know, these days, we're getting so many games that have just, like, explosive combo, 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 combo stuff. But Valeria games were doing that a long time before. But I don't remember if that's Villages or Guilds of Valeria. I'm not even going to remember if it was a Guilds of Valeria or was it something else. Because there was the original Card Kings of Valeria and then Villages and then Guilds. And then Margraves and Shadow Kingdom and um, Shipwrights. And, oh, man, there's been so many. You know what? I'm going to say uh, Andor because a game that could actually make me appreciate Roll to Resolve, that is something to be celebrated. So I'm going to give it to Legends of Andor. Space Race, the card game versus Cafe. Ooh. So Space Race, the card game, is kind of, for my taste anyway, a, what do you call it? A Race for the Galaxy Killer. Because uh, you know, it's said in real world, you know, science facts instead of science fiction about you know the uh, the golden age of the space race and all that. But it is a game all about playing cards, trying to pay attention to what you think your opponent is going to play because you can piggyback off of them and all that. And amazing engine building, absolutely fantastic game. But Cafe, in spite of the fact that it's about coffee, which is just about one of my least favorite subjects in board game, Cafe is such an amazing engine builder combined with card stacking. Two of my favorite mechanisms of all time, I gotta give it to Cafe. A real uns These are both incredibly unsung gems. They're both excellent. You can check out run-throughs for both of these on my channel. Uh, but anyway, let's move on after choosing Cafe. Ticket to Ride London versus Exhibition Sumatra Dadu Dadu. Now, first of all, I apologize. I believe there are only uh, there are less than 200 copies of Dadu Dadu in the world, and I've got one of them. So don't bother going and trying to find it. You can't get it. Um, it's a lovely little roll and write with a shared board, a really nice compact, a great travel game. The definition of a because it is about travel. But Ticket to Ride London honestly kind of fixes Ticket to Ride for me because it makes me wonder, how did I ever find it acceptable for Ticket to Ride to last more than 15 minutes? Um, plus, it's got the cool little buses um, and the like the, uh, the, the, the district thing. It changed, added to the rules. I'm going to put it to Ticket to Ride London. Fantastic. Valletta versus Signori. Oh my gosh. 
Signori was so ahead of the curve when it comes to, oh, what do you call it? Uh, dice drafting. Beautiful game about, hey, every dice you draft, you care about the color, you care about the number, you're the uh, the scion of a Renaissance-era Italian family, trying to decide, my boys, these are the careers you're going to go into, my girls, these are the families you're going to marry into, so that I can manipulate all of Italy. It's a little misogynistic. Although, in honesty, if I recall correctly, I think the developers tried to make it a little bit more equal, tried to be a little bit more egalitarian about it, which I appreciated. So it's great. But honestly, Valletta is, one, a fantastic deck builder with a really, really cool and unique way to build your deck, quite unlike anything else I've ever seen. And two, it is set in Valletta, the capital of Malta, where Jen and I lived for more than a half a century. And just the nostalgia factor makes me, forces me to give it to Valletta. San Juan, ooh, Tiny Epic Galaxies. Uh, for a lot of people, Tiny Epic Galaxies is designer Scott Alm's masterpiece. And with good reason. Such a great little Yahtzee game about, you know, um, you know, colonizing planets all over the galaxy. Lots of cool special effects. And a really great, hey, um, you know, I care about what's happening on your turn because I get to activate stuff when you roll the dice and all that. So that's all cool. San Juan, though, is just about perfection. For a while, Jen and I played a lot of San Juan in the digital app that was really, really good when we were separated. When I when I first I moved to Malta a few months ahead of Jen, and Jen stayed in England to clear up our affairs, and we played a lot of San Juan online. And I think San Juan. I'm sorry, Scott. I'm sorry, Scott. First of all, Tiny Epic Galaxies is not my favorite Tiny Epic game. One, it can be a little cutthroat. It can be a little mean spirited. Where San Juan is just about perfection. Boy. You know, the way they're doing that new Puerto Rico, uh, 1893, where they said after colonization is over. Can we get a new version of San Juan? Jason Perez! Uh, let's let's make it happen, man! Um, but even for now, I'm, just for the gameplay alone, I'm going to give it to San Juan. Mysterium Park, which is basically like Mysterium Express, and Revive. Oh, I'm sorry, Mysterium Park. I love you. You're great, but Revive is in my top 10 games for 2022. Uh, just such an absolutely brilliant game with so much cool stuff going on. It's totally Revive. Shion versus Sylveon. Mm. So Sylveon is not my favorite of the uh, area of the... Uh, uh, the uh, Was it? The Oniverse games. But I think it's my second favorite. That's the... Uh, no, it's not. It's not my second favorite. Sylveon is one of my least favorite ones because it's the it's the tower defense and the tower defense element is very good. You spend half the game you build up your 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 marshal your forces, then the second half of your game you fight basically fight fires that are encroaching. It's nice, but it's too long. As I recall, it kind of overstayed its welcome. Xion is fantastic. It uses it puts into a competitive game the uh, pick two dice and do a high of one dot a card and a low of another card from Gloomhaven, but puts it into a competitive game about building the Terracotta Army. It's better than Terracotta Army, which everybody fell in love with. So I'm going to give it to Xion. Okay, London. Now this is the second edition, but it would apply to the first edition as well. I just prefer second edition, first edition, but I, I, they're pretty close. Uh, the loss of the board didn't really affect me too much. Anyway, London versus Corrosion. Wow. Those are two of the best engine-building board games of all time. 
And the coolest thing about London is the fact that when I sat, when I, you know, I got a handful of cards, I got a, a discard cards to play the card I want to build my, my burrow in London so I can run my engine and do all kinds of cool stuff. Incredibly satisfying. And my engine updates all the time. Corrosion is set in a steampunk factory where the literal steam is corroding everything I build. So every engine I build has a half-life built in, and i got to get the most out of it as I can. But not only are my engines corroding, my money corrodes, everything corrodes. But the more time passes and the more thing corrodes, the more work I get out of my employees. I love London. Martin Wallace, wherever you are, I apologize. Corrosion is too brilliant. Corrosion over London. All right, the loop versus Spirium. Hee-hee. <clears throat> Spirium from, is it William Adia? I think, the designer of Kalos? This is his best design ever. It's such a brilliant worker placement game. Another top 10 of all time worker placement games because you don't put your workers on the worker placement spots, you put them between. I put it here, and that means when I activate the worker, I can do the left thing or the right thing unless somebody else takes the right thing away. So every worker does double duty. It's such a brilliant idea. But Loop is one of the best, it's probably the best pandemic-inspired co-op outside of pandemic and its own spinoffs. And since I like co-op more than competitive, and Spirium can have like a little bit of take that. I mean, you could see what I want to do and you could kind of take it away from me. Um, I'm going to go with the loop. Okay. Neom versus Roll for the Galaxy. All right. All right it's going to be Roll for the Galaxy. My wife would never forgive me because that's in her top 10 of all time. Um... And really, the only bad thing I can say about Roll for the Galaxy is it is just about one of the hardest games to teach. I've taught it so many times, and I've never gotten good at it. Neom is a brilliant, one of the best tiling games of all time, though. Crosses, Seven Wonders, uh, tile drafting, and then incredibly restrictive. Plus, Neom is better because the designer took my feedback and introduced an official variant that made it Care Bear friendly. So I have kind of a warm spot for Neom because... I played a part in the development of that game. But still, it's got to be Roll for the Galaxy. One of the greatest of all time. Okay, Monasterium versus Diceborne Heroes. Now, this is a tough one. Because here's the deal. Diceborne Heroes is basically uh, Gloomhaven, but stripped down into a Gloomhaven Express with dice instead of cards and no map. And that sounds crazy, but it works. And it gives me Gloomhaven feels in a fraction of the time, and I love it. Monasterium is an absolutely brilliant worker placement game with a lot of really cool dice drafting elements and whatnot, and I like it a lot. But I remember having a problem with Monasterium that I felt like you could get too much done. And recently, somebody posted in my final or comment on my final thoughts saying, you played something wrong, man, and you can't get everything done. So here's the deal. This is my first cheat. I am going to remove Monasterium because I feel like I need to play that game again. Now, here's the deal. I was super I was excited to find out, oh, I can remove things. You, you know, I can dynamically remove things from this system, but I can't add them. And, you know, this is probably going to take a few months, this series. And um, after it's all done, I'm probably going to have to start a second series for all the games that got added to my collection in the meantime. And I'll revisit Monasterium then. But since, yeah, am I going to remove Monasterium from the ranking process? Yes, because I feel like... I don't. I have to give it a, a, a fair shake. So let's then move on to SOS Titanic versus Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. Strictly speaking, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition is the superior design, I think. 
you know, a great combination of Terraforming Mars um, with uh, Race for the Galaxy cards that is better than the sum of its parts. It is better than Race for the Galaxy. It is better than Terraforming Mars. It's great, especially with the expansion, which I've gotten to play, which I don't know if it's come out yet. SOS Titanic is personally, for me, an incredibly important game for reasons I talked about in my final thoughts, uh, because it reminds me of my father, uh, who passed away almost a decade ago now. Um, and so I, I, you know, brings back a lot of strong emotions for me. But then on the flip side, it has now been picked up for reprint by a board game publisher who honestly uh, just kind of sullies the name. It's, it's so bad that the, the, the designers of SOS Titanic said, can we get ourselves out of the publishing arrangement and take control of our game back? So with all of that in mind, I'm going to give it to Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. That was a tough one. Remember, folks, uh, the comments, let me know what you think. Ancient Terrible Things, which is just about to get a new Awakened reprint. I'm looking forward to playing it. Versus Otis. Ooh. So Ancient Terrible Things is a really, really cool, um, you know, journey into darkness, pulp horror game with some really great resource management, worker placement stuff. Otis is a Waterworld-esque, post-apocalypse future, deep sea diving simulation, which is, it's so weird. Otis is, Otis basically, you send multiple divers down and they're kind of like on a conveyor belt of divers. The, when somebody's done and comes back up, depending on how deep they dive, everybody else moves down. There's nothing quite like Otis out there. And Ancient Terrible Things is great. And, you know, if I had had a chance now to play the new updated version of it, which I've literally got in the other room on my game table waiting to be played, that might, but I mean, Otis is so far out, so unique. Um, I'm going to give it to Otis. O-T-Y-S, for people who are listening instead of watching. Ooh, Terra Futura, Terra, Fu- Terra Fu- Futura, and San Shushi. One of uh, Michael Kiesling's greatest versus, oh my gosh, Terra Futura is so brilliant. Nobody's heard of it. Had a very, very tiny print run. Versus San Su- of course, San Shushi has been out print forever, and then it got a very, very, two games with incredibly tiny print runs from small independent publishers both so worth it. Both brilliant design. But I think, no offense to Keesling, one of my favorite designers of all time, Terra Fertura really captures Glenn Moore vibes in a big bad way. And I love it to pieces. And uh, and plus, I, you know, I love the uh, story of trying to build a green future more than being a uh, Renaissance era French noble trying to design gardens for other nobles. So... Theme plus gameplay puts Terra Futura on top. Don't worry, Sanchezy. I'm sure you'll be back. Okay. Progress. Evolution of technology versus Agricola. Yeah, yeah of course it's Agricola. Um, uh, you know, Agricola, if it didn't have that opening, hey, figure out what you're going to do with all these cards. Agricola is really just an, a so-so worker placement game, but it's so brilliant because of that early card draft. That just, I mean, the, the ultimate fusion of strategic and uh, tactical gameplay. Progress is great. I love it. Uh, you know, tech tree building game where everything you give up to build the tech you want, you're giving to your opponent and maybe helping them. I always love that. You know, that Lost Cities vibe. But of course, it's Agricola. Escape the Roll and Write versus Wingspan. Okay, it's Wingspan. Of course. Uh, Wingspan lives up to the hype. A 
simultaneous triple engine building game where you've got three different engines that you want to try and sync up with each other is great. Escape Roll and Write is really good. And what makes it special is it's one of the only cooperative Roll and Writes that have ever come out to date. And I don't understand. Why aren't we being deluged by cooperative Roll and Writes? There's a few of them, but Escape Roll and Write is one of the very few. So I, and, it's, and it's well done. But yeah, it's Wingspan. Come on. All right. Near and Far from Ryan Lockett versus Sagrada. Wow. Wow. Ho oh, ho. Cheevers. Okay. So, first of all, caveat time. I'm not just doing raw Sagrada versus near and far. I'm bringing in all three of the, uh, the Passion and Life, and I can't remember the other expansion. All the expansions for Sagrada. Plus, this is cheating a bit because it hasn't come out yet, but I have played all the way through it. Plus, Sagrada Artisans, the upcoming legacy version of Sagrada, which was just absolutely amazing. All, I mean, because but that's how I do this. When I'm ranking a game, I'm ranking it and everything that's available for it that I have played. So, Near and Far is fantastic. I think it might be. <clears throat> I need to play Now or Never again. But I think I like Near and Far more than Now or Never, based on my time I played with both of them. So I think Near and Far might be my number one Ryan Lockett. But if you take the full... When you when you folks see Sagrada Arzins, you are going to be blown away. And that's part of Sagrada family, so it goes to Sagrada. Feld is back. Amerigo versus Kinesia Lost Cities. Wow. This would be hard for my wife, Jen. She loves both of these games. For me, it's easy. I love Amerigo. I respect Lost Cities, but Lost Cities makes me feel so stupid and frustrated. Because Jen and I, we have played this game dozens of times, and I think I've only ever won a couple of times. I'm just terrible at it. I think it's just absolutely brilliant, deserves all the kudos, is arguably maybe the greatest couples game ever designed. But Amerigo has the tower, and it's awesome, and it's Steffenfeld, so Amerigo. Okay. Ooh, Stella Dixic Universe versus Dead Reckoning. So this basically takes Dixit... Still requires three players, which is a, a black eye, whereas Dead Reckoning, uh, you can play two players, so that's a feather in its cap. But turns Dixit into a real game, as opposed to an ex a party experience, which is kind of what Dixit is. And it's really impressive. Jen and I enjoyed it a lot when we played it with Ruel. We did a three... Uh, you can watch the run-through. Me, Ruel, and Jen playing uh, Dixit Universe and had a great time with it. But it is still a three-player minimum game. Can't play it with two. Whereas Dead Reckoning, I, Dead Reckoning wouldn't even be on this list except for the fantastic co-op module that turns it into a co-op game, and it is great. It is rare that Jen will sit down for a two-plus-hour-long co-op game, but she loved it, so it's going Dead Reckoning. Arr, matey. Well done, John D. Clare. Walking in Provence versus Eight Minute Empire Legends. Woo! Okay, Wei Min Ling, one of my new favorite designers. His best game, a wonderful card stacking game that mixes it with these really cool acrylic overlay cards that rep... Oh, it's just so... Watch my video for it, folks. It's hard to describe, but it's brilliant. Versus one of Ryan Lockett's earlier designs and one of the few pure area control games that I've ever thought was good enough to keep in the collection. Uh, and such a brilliant little game. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But at the end of the day, it is still an area control game where walking in Provence is a live and let live. Hey, I'm trying to build my garden. You're trying to build yours. Let's work in harmony to see who is best. So, of course, it's walking in Provence. Oh, Ryan Lockett is uh, not seeing the love today. 
Porta Nigra from Kramer and Kiesling versus Anno 1800 of Martin Wallace. Wow. Porta Nigra, like all of Kramer Kiesling games, is such a brilliant game. So rich and robust, but it all comes from, if I recall correctly, hey, I've got two cards in my hand. I'm just going to play one of them and do what it says. And that's my whole turn. And yet, I mean, those, but these cards are really complex. They have a, they're like a flowchart of stuff you do on them. And it's really satisfying. It's got great components. But Anno 1800 is maybe my favorite uh, Martin Wallace design. I've never played the video game. Don't care about the video game. Both because of its theme, the way it imagines an alternate universe where humanity got their stuff together, never engaged in colonization, but instead found ways to work together. Anno 1800 tells a story of our better halves and how if we could put away our zero-sum focus and our us-versus-them mentality, a rising, sh- uh, you know, was it? a rising tide lifts all boats. And it's a game where I win by providing for my people and... Uh, the, the providing for all people. The more I do that, the more I win. Yeah, it's got to be Anno 1800. Okay, Shipyard versus the Grizzled. Wow, what a weird one. First of all, this could only be considered Grizzled. The only reason I keep Grizzled is because of the uh, At Your Orders expansion that added the brilliant two-player variant where you had the rookie, where players had to work to keep the rookie alive while also trying to stay alive themselves in the trenches of World War I. Versus Shipyard, one of uh, Vladimir Suki's greatest designs of all time. The Rondell within Rondell within Rondell game. Super heavy crunchy versus really interesting and puzzly, but fairly light co-op game with imperfect communication. I would like to skip this one. There is no skip. <laughs> and I haven't been going long, and I feel like I should go a little longer before I run away in terror, because this one is really tough. I'm streaming this live right now. Is anybody in the chat? Does anybody can weigh in on this? Nope. Uh, but I see people agreed with me on Anno. Um, right. <sighs> okay, I see the uh, the audience is going shipyard. So I, I, I used a lifeline. But here's the deal, folks. The Grizzled is so amazing. And the shipyard is freaking amazing too. But if you just showed up at my house and say, hey, what do you want? Do you want to play Grizzled or do you want to play Shipyard? Honestly, nine times out of ten, I think I'd say Grizzled. Because I love the puzzle. I love cooperation over competition. I love imperfect communication. I love the how this is a game about bravery and fraternity and camaraderie in the face of, of unspeakable horror. And, I mean, I, I can find myself getting really... I can get emotional just talking about the Grizzled, especially with everything that went on behind the scenes with, you know... Um, the, I don't need to go into the whole story of the uh, the artist. Um, all right, uh, you folks have spoken and I'm ignoring you. I'm, I'm giving to the Grizzled. And that's probably my biggest shocker to date. And honestly, I don't know if I would have done that. I'm sure if you go look to rank.rado.com right now, I probably have Grizzled below Shipyard, but it's... Just the reality. What would I rather play? What would my wife rather play? I mean, and I love Shipyard. I love it to pieces. For, it was in my top 10 for a long time. But the Grizzled is, is really something so special. Okay. Last Will and Palace Royale. Or Palace Royal. Wow. Vladimir Sushi again. Up against Javier Georges. Two of my top 10 designers of all time. Palace Royal does not get, or Royale, does not get near enough attention. 
It's an older game, but it's so brilliant. It is... There's a lot of it is area control, though. And as time has gone on, Jen and I have found we're a little bit less engaged in area control than we used to be. Whereas Last Will is just so brilliant. Such a cool... You know, Brewster's Million, the card game. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Last Will. I th- and I think most people will probably agree with that. But again, if you disagree, folks, let me know in the comments. Okay. Palace Royal, though. Oh, I cannot recommend it highly enough. I did a run through Ford a few years ago. You can go check it out. Remember our trip versus Field of Green? Jeez. So Field of Green is the sequel slash re-theme of Among the Stars. And um, Field of Among the Stars was really the first fo- uh, the first game that kind of capitalized on the success of Seven Wonders, you know, card drafting, but tried to make it better. And it's a great farming simulation. Field of Green improved on uh, Among the Stars and Gen. I really love it. It had some great expansion content for it. And remember our trip is such a quirky, brilliant... Is it from Sashi and Sashi? I think it's from Sashi and Sashi. Who are known for their offbeat, quirky games. And the game is all about us working to do our best to remember a trip that we all went on. It's kind of a tile-laying game where we're saying, well, no, this is where where the museum was. It was to the west of our hotel and stuff. And it's just so offbeat. And I really like it. But just for raw mechanisms, the design of Field of Green is just about perfect. So I'm going to give it to Fields of Green. Space Station Phoenix versus Maracaibo. It's going to be Maracaibo. uh, Because again, I'm I'm including the Maracaibo Uprising expansion. That, um, you know, totally flipped the script. Made us, um, you know, revolutionaries trying to free the Caribbean from the yoke of oppression. Rather than, you know, contributing to the yoke of oppression. Plus... Made it a fantastic co-op game. Space Station Phoenix can't compete. It can't. But that's not to say Space Station Phoenix isn't amazing. Such an, a wonderful engine builder. Great tile-laying game. A really a crazy offbeat twist on worker placement that I love. But it's still got to be Maracaibo. Miyabi versus... Ooh! Steading versus Keesling versus the Stauffer Dynasty. The Stafford Dynasty is probably uh, Andreas Stedding's greatest design of all time. And it's so cool. It's so unique and unusual. But it does have a fair bit of area control. Whereas Miyabi is just about perfection when it comes to... It's a domino, or polyomino, but mostly dominoes, tile laying game where you're laying them out, but you also get to build upwards. And it comes with like... Six or seven unique modules that you can mix and match and just get so much replayability. And it's so freaking pretty. And it's so crunchy and tension-filled. I I feel like I should give it to Stauffer Dynasty. That is the bigger, more ambitious game. It does so much so well. But at the end of the day, a sizable portion of Stauffer Dynasty is area control. It's an area control game I keep, one I'd happily play. But I love Tile Lang more than area control. So I'm going to give it to Miyabi. But Stauffer Dynasty, oh, it's so good. It's like the world is alive in that game. But anyway, no. Miyabi. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Fleet, the dice game, versus Raja of the Ganges, the dice charmers. Roll and write revamps. How did they know to pick this? Is, I mean, I assume this is random, right? That it threw these two together. So, uh, simplifying and streamlining Raja the Ganges into a wonderful little roll and write. Simplifying and streamlining Fleet, um, the auction game, into not a little roll and write, but one of the bigger, heavier roll and writes. And I think it's for that reason that I would give it to Fleet over Raja's of the Ganges, the Dice Charmers, which is excellent too. Honestly, I liked Raja's of the Ganges, the Dice Charmers so much. I like it better than Raja's of the Ganges. And, um... I got rid of Rajas the Ganges to keep the Dice Charmers. But still, of the two, I gotta give it to Fleet the Dice Game. The Great Heartland Hauling Company versus Paladins of the West Kingdom. Okay. So, Paladins is my least favorite of the three West Kingdoms games. And it could have been the best. But there were a few design choices that I so strongly disagreed with. That really brought the design down for me. Whereas Great Heartland Hall and Company, sadly, long out of print, all but impossible to get. But it's a pick up and deliver game that Jen and I just love. It's just about perfect. It's a wonderful travel game. It it shows how it's basically pick up and deliver kind of meets Ticket to Ride, maybe? Not really. But it's, it's a flawless little gem of a game. So I am definitely, I am sure, going to hear about this in the comments, but I'm giving it to the Great Heartland Hauling Company. Subdivision versus Luna. Ooh. So Luna is not my favorite Feld game, but it is very, very good. It is one of his better ones. But it does, and again, this is me growing and changing as a developer. At its heart, or not a developer, as a, a, not a designer, a, a player. At its heart, while it's a really cool kind of reverse worker placement game. It's about worker removal rather than worker placement. And just kind of a funky, weird, new age theme. It was kind of nice. One of his more thematic games. Everything drives towards an area control game. Whereas Subdivision is pure joy SimCity stuff with a really incredibly tension-filled um, tile draft and the restrictions that are on it. Subdivision is one of my probably top 10 great all-time unsung gems that deserves more love. So it's Subdivision. And I'm sure I won't hear the last of that. My apologies, Feld fan, if you're still watching. Okay. Uh, Concordia versus Just One. Wow. Now here's the deal. Of course. Of course it's Concordia. I mean, just one. You, I mean, it's a party game. You can't play as a two-player game. Does it even support two players? I feel like maybe it does, and it's really terrible. No. I think it... Right, and it, 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 Actually, I played it at three, and it's not very good at three either. It's a big group game. And Concordia is Matt Gert's masterpiece, although I'm still looking forward to Transatlantic. Um, and oh, 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 oh. When you add Solitaria, that turns Concordia into a solo and two-player cooperative game... Forget about it. See, here's the thing. I want to give... I mean, Just One is, again, another game that is just about pure 
perfection. What it does, it does so well, and I've had so many wonderful experiences with it. But it just automatically loses. Um, and so, oh, it's a cooperative game as well, by the way. It's a party game where players are working together. Yay for that. Way too many party games are... All party games should be cooperative. We should all work together if we're at a party instead of trying to crush each other and beat each other. But no, I mean, it's freaking Concordia, man. And Concordia Solitaria, of course it's Concordia. Kingdom Builder from Octodice. Octodice, a wonderful little roll and write, simplified, streamlined version of Steffenfeld's Aquasphere. And Kingdom Builder, the uh, Spiel des Jahres winner from Donald X. Vaccarino, the designer of Dominion. And yeah... Of course, it's Kingdom Builder. Kingdom Builder is so freaking good, especially when you start throwing expansions in. Octodice is a wonderful little roll and write, but it is just a, a simple little trifle of a roll and write. It has it does a lot of really good stuff for replayability, but Kingdom Builder with the expansions, no contest. Ooh, Homesteaders versus Architects of the West Kingdom. Okay, so we've got the second best of the West Kingdom series versus if we were just talking pure base Homesteaders. It'd be no doubt. Uh, Architects of the West Kingdom. But when you throw the absolutely brilliant, one of probably my top 20 greatest uh, expansions of all time, the Homesteaders expansion, which brings a lot of replayability in, but more importantly, brings in Steffenfeld-esque Year of the Dragon um, style gameplay to what was already one of the greatest auction games of all time. No, no, No contest at all. Homesteaders, Seven Ways to Sunday. Architects of the West Kingdom is great. You really want to have it with more than two defeated at its best. So, Homesteaders. Ulm versus Funfair. Okay. Ulm has got to have one of the greatest action select mechanisms of all time. Jen and I both love it to pieces. But the game you're playing... You, you, it's, it's this little tic-tac-toe slider thing where you slide something in, it slides something else out. That's what you do. It's so brilliant. I love Ulm. But Funfair is another race for the galaxy killer, quite frankly. Wow, I love both of these games so much for completely different reasons. I mean, Funfair is so wonderfully joyful and thematic and just does such a great job of combo card tableau building. And really, I guess at the end of the day, I'm going to give it to Funfair. Because all of Funfair feels amazing. Whereas Ulm, it's the heart of the game that's amazing. And the rest of the stuff, you know, racing down the river, building stuff, gathering resources, all that stuff is good. And the action selection is amazing. Whereas pretty much everything from Funfair is great, 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 great. Right down the line, including the way they handle events and everything. So Funfair over Ulm. Agra versus Lords of Waterdeep. Agra might be, I would have to go and look oh, with the advanced search on board, it might be the heaviest game that we own. Um, Lords of Waterdeep, one of the lightest Euro-style worker placement games we own. Yeah, literally, this might be our heaviest worker placement game that we kept in the collection versus the lightest one. Wow, what a showdown. Um... I, I, it's it's like there's somebody actually coming up with really good you know um, things to contrast here, but so problems with Agra, it's so freaking long, it's it's ginormous. Whereas Lords of Waterdeep is just, oh, and also I would include the Scoundrels of Skullport expansion for Lords of Waterdeep that bumps out Lords of Waterdeep up a little bit, gives it a little bit of extra oomph. 
Here's the deal, though. Uh, to really to play Wards of Waterdeep, we have to remove those freaking mandatory quests. So you have to kind of do surgery to Lords of Waterdeep for us to play it. <clears throat> and generally speaking, I'm trying to rate these on the official rule sets without house rule variants, right? So, and I don't feel like Agra needs any tweaking. You just need to have a good long afternoon. And what did I say? I said, uh, there's another game I said, oh my god, the world is so alive. Forget about Agra. The world is true. The world, the game feels like, oh, this is a bustling place where things are happening and I've got to constantly take advantage of them. I remember it ranked very high when uh, Jess of Heavy Cardboard and I did our top 10 combined, our, our, our top 10 heavy games of all time. I remember it ranked very high on that list. And Lords of Waterdeep, really, Lords of Waterdeep is is great at two, but it truly comes to life with more than two because those uh, event cards where, hey, I play this and I get a couple of clerics and now I have to pick one other person to give a cleric to. When there's only one other player, that's not a cool, fun decision. So, Agra. Agra. Alrighty. Well done. Was that Michael Keller, I think. Okay. Um, anyway. Fam. Ooh. Fam is Friedman Freeze's masterpiece. Forget about Power Grid, folks. Fam is where it's at. Versus Sprawlopolis. A wonderful little micro game, 18 card city, SimCity style building game. I like Sprawlopolis a lot, but it is far from my favorite button-shy game. Whereas, again, FAM is truly... Although, to be fair, FAM does have a problem. It takes too long. As a two-player game, they should have tweaked the rules to ensure that... I think, by default, at the end of every round, two cards get removed. And that works fine for higher player count games where more cards are coming out because of players. But in a two-player game, they didn't tweak it, so it should have been like three or four cards get removed from the queue to speed it up! Now, that's the way I play it, and it's brilliant, it's perfect, but that means for it to be at its best, you have to use a house rule, and I just said I don't take house rules into account. But even without, if I had to play FAM without my game fixer for two players, I'd still rank it higher than Sprawlopolis. Okay. Feld is... Oh my gosh! A Feld double feature! Two of Feld's most offbeat games of all time, Cocapelli versus In the Year of the Dragon. How is this happening randomly? This is crazy! Okay. So, Cocapelli is by far... No one would believe you if you told you this is a game designed by Stefan Feld. And I love the interaction between players because we are all tribes trying to put on um, celebrations, but we can contribute to the celebrate of the celebrations of the player to our left or right. And the interaction between players is beautiful. A lot of people think it's very mean-spirited. We don't feel it like that at all. Especially if you play it, you know, in the spirit of, of the game. About It is all about celebrating. Hey, I can celebrate at my tribe or at your tribe. And that, 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 that can slow you down, but it can also give you other options. In the Year of the Dragon, I think for a lot of people, is Feld's masterpiece. And with good reason. It is so freaking brilliant. And I just talked a little bit ago about how taking the 12-month disaster cycle from In the Year of the Dragon elevates homesteaders 
to the stratosphere. And here it is in the original. Plus, In the Year of the Dragon has maybe the single most brilliant example of player scaling for two players that all publishers should emulate. And no one does. I've seen very, very few games that have ever paid attention to the brilliance of how Feld uh, scaled In the Year of the Dragon for two. But man, Cocapelli is something special. And so much variety, so much variability, so much replay. This is an incredibly hard one, folks. So much so that I'm done. I'm done! I can't do it. I'm going to save my progress. Um, I will save that for another day. I will have to think on that one pretty long and hard. Save. Uh, What is the day today? It is the 17th. Update. Alrighty. Uh, progress list updated. Tell me, how far did we go? We made 4%! We're at 4%! We went from 2% to 4%. So, folks, that should give you a rough idea of just how long this series is going to go on as I continue to rank my collection. And that's it, folks. Um, again, love to hear what you think down in the comments, but otherwise, have a very, very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Uh, bye bye